Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and we got more content coming your way today. So let's go through the order. First, we'll cover our bases. I have more softball news and stories. Then we'll head into today's interview, which is a continuation of my conversation with my new cousin, <laughs> Taylor Becerra. In part one, you heard us talk about sharing a last name that everyone messes up, uh, figuring out if we're actually related, her journey to and with ASU softball, how much we love third base, and a little bit of body positivity. So in part two today, we'll talk more about the rest of her college experience at the Women's College World Series and postseason, overcoming injuries, being a team player, and beyond. And a really fun game of Safer Out to round it out. Some great stories and hot takes lined up for you. Because so far, Taylor and my dad are actually the only guests with more than one episode. So apparently, Becerra's get two parts. Then we'll wrap things up with the double play tip of the week, a physical and mental tip around hitting building off of last week's tip. All right, so let's dive in. Covering our bases. First, can I just say it's been so nice having sports back, just in general. And while we're waiting for pro softball to start, the NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing, and our partners at Bet Online got you covered. I'm a baseball person, not a surprise, and I'm also an Angels fan, just SoCal loyal my entire life. So if I'm putting anything down, you know where it's going. But what about you? You can get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on, and there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Plenty going on with BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Now at the same time, we're only a week away from watching pro softball again. Athletes Unlimited. The first game was originally set for August 30th, but they just announced they're actually starting a day early on August 29th, which is a Saturday. So they're playing six games per week, three back-to-back-to-back, doubleheaders. Originally, it was going to be Sundays through Tuesdays. Now they'll be Saturdays through Mondays each week. And the games are still on ESPN and CBS Sports. I like that more of their games will be on the weekend. I think it's a higher chance of viewership versus a weekday when you're dealing with work and school. We're home a lot more, so theoretically it's easier to watch, but people are still super busy during the week, especially now that we're in back-to-school season. And the doubleheaders are going to start at 1 p.m. Eastern on Saturdays and Sundays and 4 p.m. Eastern on Mondays. And the athletes are getting ready for it. They've made it to the bubble in Rosemont. They're in the Chicago area, and they've started some workouts. I've seen some AU-branded masks going on. I like it. Trying to be as safe as they can. And what really stood out to me actually was their locker room setup. This is only week one, so they're still social distancing a lot. And they literally have their individual locker spaced out separately, like their own station, almost like a little mini closet for yourself. It's super interesting. 
And for all these pro athletes right now, the bubble is an interesting place. And we'll learn more about the Athletes Unlimited bubble in our interview in next week's episode. So stay tuned for that. But some of these athletes will also be rocking new equipment. A new Louisville Slugger bat just dropped. It's a 2021 custom crafted LXT and it's pretty freaking sick. You can build it yourself literally from top to bottom, the size, the colors, you choose everything. And the big feature is that it's supposed to have a big sweet spot. And it's also supposed to be balanced well between the handle and the barrel for a nice feel. So Athletes Unlimited players Kelsey Stewart and Aubrey Monroe were part of the launch. And of course, they're also future Olympians and their other Team USA teammate, Delaney Spalding, was also an ambassador. You can go to sluggercustombats.com to start designing. And you know what? We had Louisville Slugger when I was in college and it was always solid equipment. I actually really loved their gloves. But this would have been awesome to have. Having like a cardinal colored bat would have been sweet. So I will say though, it costs a pretty penny. It is custom, right? So it's gonna run you about 430 bucks. And this makes me think about how grateful I am actually for all that we did have at Stanford and what my parents invested while I was growing up. Players always remember that. And someone who is investing in young players, our friend Natasha Watley is starting a new travel ball organization called the Watley Crew. Love it. I love a good pun. Watley Crew, Motley Crew. I'm here for it. It's 10 and under through 18 and under. And it's based in California. It's Redondo Beach and Thousand Oaks. And it's associated with the Natasha Watley Foundation, which has been around for over a decade, focusing on creating opportunities for underserved communities. And she's all about developing the person, not just the athlete. So there will be a big off the field focus as well. They're going to have international cultural experiences, giving back to local communities, and professional development. And there's also a futures program, which is a hybrid of rec ball and travel ball. And it's basically giving underserved and underrepresented players access to play competitively. There's going to be an emphasis on inclusivity, diversity, and leadership. And they're actually having tryouts for all age groups in TO, Thousand Oaks, this weekend, the 22nd and the 23rd. Then Redondo Beach will be next weekend, August 29th and 30th. You can register on watleycrew.com. And there's also more info about the COVID protocols that they're following. And I just, I love the growth. Like I said in last week's Covering Our Bases with Monica Abbott, partnering with her travel organization, real leaders do and grow at the grassroots level. And Tosh will be giving direct instruction and leadership to this group. So that's awesome. But also, I love seeing something like this come to Ventura County as well. There's a lot of talent that comes out of there, but a lot of people end up driving all the way to Orange County, two counties away, to play for a team like I did back in the day. So I think it's going to be an awesome resource, and I'm really proud of her and excited for all the players. And speaking of the 805, I wanted to share some really cool news about our show. There's a local paper called The Acorn that did a story about podcasts started by different sports figures from Ventura County. And they featured Believe in Softball. And it talks about why we started, the big picture and importance of visibility for women's sports, and just all of it really captured our story well. And you can check it out at theacorn.com. The article is called The Inside Stuff, and it came out in last week's paper. So huge, huge thank you to Eliov Applebaum for writing the piece, Believe Podcast Network for the support for the show, the amazing and inspiring guests that have come on and shared their stories, their hearts, their brains, their jokes, just everything. And all of you for listening. We couldn't do it without you. So now let's keep going and keep growing. I can't wait to do that with you all. 
And another thing we're going to keep going is my conversation with Taylor Becerra. Because again, Becerra's get two parts. So we left off part one after talking about her ASU journey and third base love. And now we'll dive into the rest. Let's listen in. Speaking of the World Series though, you went. Oh my gosh, I know. That was the craziest thing. That was crazy because when you go there and like, obviously you wear your Arizona State, you wear whatever team everywhere. People know, everyone knows why you're there. So we went to lunch a few times and like, everyone that was there would be like are you guys here for the world series and we're like yeah like it's so cool and there's like i think 32 cameras on you or something like something crazy like that all the time like at the field so we'd be like warming up and then i'd go back later that day and see like videos of me and i'm like what when were they recording so it's uh, it's so cool and their fans are insane obviously people from oklahoma in general just go and watch and are just neutral but it's, it's awesome. I, I'm so, so lucky that I got to go at least once, even if obviously we didn't get the results we wanted, but just going was so cool. And like being able to say like, oh yeah, we were a women's college World series participant. That's awesome. Yes. There's something about getting there because yeah. it's really is the most visible platform for softball. Like, I mean, because we haven't had the Olympics for so long. Right. And we finally will, which is great. But like in the meantime, while we've been waiting, it's really been postseason college yeah. softball that was a great year like everything was just working in our favor like that was our first year that we were like we're hosting oh my gosh we're hosting like we are hosting guys <laughs> and being able to stay home and play was such a huge advantage I feel like because obviously we have our fans but like we got to sleep in our own beds we got to you know hang out with family in our own places and it was a great feeling to be able to just wake up and drive 10 minutes to the field <laughs> from my house. <laughs> oh my gosh, a hundred percent because, and you can't take that for granted too. I like didn't really realize because, so we went to postseason every year, but I didn't actually travel for postseason until my junior year. Like we hosted regionals and super regionals freshman year, regionals sophomore year, regionals junior year too actually and then we finally like went to Alabama for supers junior year and I was like well I, f I feel like I've done this postseason thing a lot but like I've never tried like it is a different especially going somewhere like Alabama or going to the SEC you're like okay this yeah. is yeah there are tailgates here like what's going on <laughs> yeah I remember my freshman year we went to LSU and I think the year before that they also went to LSU when I wasn't there yet so we were I remember them being mad my freshman year being like why are they sending us to LSU again so when we got there Obviously, I was excited because I was a freshman playing, so I yeah. knew it was going to be a huge stage. And one, the weather was humid and so different that I was like, this is crazy. I don't know how people play here. So it was a huge like culture shock as well because the fans were insane, but it was so cool. And then my sophomore year, I went to Ole Miss, so that was like the same type of atmosphere. Junior year, obviously, we hosted, which was great, and then... My senior year, we went to Alabama. So, like, we've been in the South, like, a lot, which was yeah. kind of cool because it was the same kind of caliber of fans. But I think Alabama's fans were crazy. Like, they were the craziest for sure. They were. It was awesome, though. Like, I, it was so weird. It was like, they're all rooting against me, but I still kind of love this atmosphere at the same time. Even, even before, when we would walk up to, like, our dugout, they were, like, clapping for us. And I'm like, I'm not even playing, but this is cool. And I wish, oh man, I wish I could have played. Oh my gosh. But I, 
they asked me if I wanted surgery, like after I tore my ACL that next week. And if I would have gotten it, I wouldn't have been able to go to Alabama with them. So I was like, nope, I'm not doing it. I'm going to postseason. Sorry. Yeah. Well, if you're, because you weren't going to be able to play anyway. So it's like, mm-hmm. might as well be with your team. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And honestly, I had a pretty big role after that because we, anyone who's not playing, like that's in the infield, does signs for the infield. So I had taken on that role. Like it was my job. Like I showed up with tape on my fingers, like ready to go, locked in. And I was like, Coach Ford, I'm ready. Like every first inning, I'd be like, okay, I'm ready. And like, I would be locked in the whole game because I'm like, this is my job. I know that was me out there. I would need all these pitches to get ready. So I was still like playing technically in my head because I was locked in and I was ready to go. I mean, that's the exact way that you should approach it. Like you're like, oh, like it was my job. Well, it was your job, Mm -hmm. you know, and you were still in there with your team. And I actually could see that even from the first moment when I saw you get hurt to the rest of the season, just like keeping an eye on Pac-12 softball and seeing you guys. And I loved that because I felt like you didn't, you didn't just defeat yourself, if that makes sense. Like you really stuck in there with your team and you were present. And that's like so much harder to do than people realize. Oh yeah. I remember. So I tore my ACL on that Saturday of the three game series and I remember sitting in the dugout after it happened and like everyone's like turning towards me because everyone knew what just happened and everyone's just turning looking at me and I and I kept telling them like stop like look the game's over there like I'm fine because I didn't want it to be about me and coach Ford is also saying the same thing obviously like guys come on we're still playing the game but I just remember like the next week was senior weekend and of course everyone's like oh Taylor like oh my gosh I'm so sorry and I'm like it's okay. Like, it's not about me right now. Like, yes, it's senior weekend, but like we have games to play and we need to win them. So I just remember being like, I don't want it to be about me. Yes. It's sad. Of course. Hello. But I still, we still need to win games. So when I uh, <laughs> took on my science job again, cause I had hurt my back already previously that, that year. So like I had already done science. I was like, okay, if I'm going to help us win, this is how it's going to be. So I'm going to do this and I'm going to lock it in every game for them because they need my help. And if this is the only way I can participate, so be it. But I'm going to do this for my team. So I remember being like really, really serious about signs giving and stuff. I just remember being like, if I missed one, I was like really mad at myself because I was like, no, I can't miss any. I have to be locked in this whole time. Well, it's like a new part of your craft, you Mm -hmm. know, like that that is part of the game too so oh yeah I know because when I was at third and I they'd miss a sign and I'd be like oh my gosh if I miss this this is on you (laughs) (laughs) which would come and I'm like oh you're so lucky that she didn't hit that (laughs) (laughs) oh man well that's the thing too though it's like right now a lot of people are feeling some kind of loss for what they thought this year would be, you know, and then especially spring sport athletes who had their seasons and some of them, their careers like cut short, but you've already had to fight through the struggle before the pandemic ever happened, you know? So what else did you do to get through it? I think, I don't think it hit me for a while that I was actually done. Of course, when it happened, I, and I knew it happened the next day I met their doctor and like, he told me like, Hey, probably tore your ACL and I remember losing it because I was like you're lying like this is not happening then it kind of like 
I was kind of numb for like that next week because I just I wasn't playing it was senior weekend everyone was are you okay and of course that would make me cry (laughs) but it didn't really hit me that I wasn't playing like I was never gonna play again until Alabama I think when we lost but at the same time I feel like I was able to kind of slowly grieve over the fact that I wasn't going to play anymore longer than Morgan and Skylar who just lost and that was it so they lost and they were done playing and for me it was like I was able to be around it still and be with the team and you know keep playing for a while until like we lost and we're done for them it was like they were playing lost boom your career's over so in a way it was kind of like a blessing in disguise because I got to end but still be around it and then kind of come to terms with the fact that we were done but for them it was like okay your career's over and like that was it so and I'm obviously still around the game and Morgan's playing now but like and so Skylar Skylar's around the game too so I still feel like I'm playing and I still like to say like oh yeah like ASU softball I just graduated even though when I think about it that was last May not this past May um but I don't know I feel like it took me a while to like accept the fact that I was done but like it was a blessing because if I would have had the ending that they did I think it would have hit me really hard that like one day I'm playing the next hour I'm done and obviously that's how it was for me but I was still able to be around my teammates so they kind of helped a lot actually that's such a good point it's so hard even though you know that your career is going to end at some point right like everybody's does you just you don't usually know when or whatever so having some kind of transition period is helpful like I didn't keep playing after my senior year though I stayed for a fifth year at Stanford and then I actually lived like my roommate was one of my teammates who was still playing (laughs) and so yeah and so it was like I still got to be around the team. I still, I started calling games. That's when I actually started getting into broadcasting. So I was still at the games. Like I was still a part of it and, and still a part of Stanford because not only are you ending your softball career, you're also leaving your school. Yeah. So to do that all at once is really hard. And I was always so grateful for that extra year. And so I'm glad that you got to have a little bit of extra time to kind of get your bearings and get ready. And like when all this COVID stuff happened, like all the girls were like, I can't believe like it it ended like this and it happened so fast. And I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> so like, of course I have sympathy for everyone, but I'm like that. Imagine that being your senior year being done. Like you're so lucky that you have another, you can come back again. Right. And I always wonder like the logistics of like red shirting and stuff, because I don't remember playing a lot of games, but also I feel like if I would have redshirted somehow and came back, I wouldn't have the opportunities that I'm currently doing. So I I feel like everything that happened, even though it happened in a really bad circumstance of me turning my ACL, it all happened for a reason. And I don't think if I would have went back to play and then all of a sudden COVID happened, that I would be, obviously I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now, which is I'm happy. I'm happy with everything that's happening right now in my life. I'm still around softball. I'm still, I'm coaching now, which is great. I'm living, I'm back in Arizona with my teammate or my old teammate who is still on the team. So like, I still feel around softball, around AC softball. 
out my window, I could literally see the softball field and new fields that they're building right now. So I still feel like I'm in it. And I know I'm not. I know I graduated last May. But I just feel lucky that I could still say that I'm involved in like AAC softball. Well, you're always going to be in it. Like you're always going to be part of the ASU softball family. Even when I talked to coach Ford about just ASU alumni and like what it means for the program and the culture of Sun Devil softball, she was like, yeah, once you're here, you're a part of this for life. Like that is, that's just how we roll. Yes. And I think huge, huge, huge props to coach Ford because that culture, my sophomore year, when she came in, like we had a big culture change. Like it was like night and day. So the fact that after I left, like it's only getting better. It just like makes me so proud to say that I came here. Like, oh my gosh, I can't even explain it. It's so great to see like where they're headed. It's a good feeling. And, and it, the pride shifts a little bit because you become an alum that's like cheering it on. You feel like almost like an extended family member of the team, but you're still part of it. And so it's still like, I don't know if it's really, it's not like, oh, those are like my children who are taking on the legacy necessarily, but like kind of, you know? Yeah, I'm just proud because I was a part of that like standard change. Like our standards were so high these past three years and like seeing them easily, you know, take those on is great because less work for the older girls. (laughs) It was like a really big change. So it was obviously hard and I can't remember the times amount of times that we got in trouble for small things like not turning paperwork in. But then you look back and it's like, wow, like we really needed that. And like I show up early everywhere I go now because I'm scarred for life. But thank goodness like that that happened because I don't want to be the type of person who shows up at a certain time that's not early. Like I literally show up so early because Coach Ford instilled it like you got to be early to be on time. So when I see girls now showing up early and I think back at the, how many people were late, I'm like, wow, that was us. We did that. Like the reason why they're showing up early is because of us. Right. Even you built time, it. Yeah. Even though at the time I hated it because we'd get in trouble. <laughs> I look back or I look at them now and I'm like, wow, like they, they're on top of everything. Like they got it down and it's because of us. It, it is because of you because it's coach Ford's vision and that's great. But like you guys had to do it. Yes, we did. <laughs> oh my gosh. I remember one time we had a full on army workout because we were, we were late, <laughs> but I look back and I'm like, I, we definitely deserve that because we were all, a lot of us were late. <laughs> oh yeah. Memories. Wow. <laughs> I sometimes like a lot of the alumni and I are friends still like Marissa Stinkowitz. Obviously we hang out all the time. Dale Rindak, Brio, Brinley. Like we are, our friend group is still alive like we hang out all the time so we will sit around sometimes and be like I can't believe we did half the stuff that we did like how did we get through that and I look back and I'm like how did my body do that because nowadays I can't even go up two flights of stairs without gasping for air and I'm like wow you really you really did that like it's crazy that feeling is only going to increase as you go because more (laughs) and more every year I'm like oh my gosh there's no way. <laughs> like, like we really did pool workouts at six in the morning. That's crazy. Yeah, like who were we? Yeah. yeah like, wow. We were the swim team, we were the track team, we were ROTC, we were <laughs> all that stuff. A lot of hats. <laughs> yeah. Well, do you have any aspirations to keep playing? 
I mean, I know you're still in the game, you're coaching, but any chance? I remember probably like my junior year wanting very badly, of course, to be playing pro. Who doesn't? But I feel like as I got older or like as I went on to like my senior year, I kind of realized like my body couldn't do it. My back, I had a protruding disc in my back um, Mm. the start of my senior year which worried me because I was like, this is it. Like I need to play. So I remember it started in the fall and I had like a little, you know, my back hurt a little bit and I was like, yeah, it's okay. Maybe, maybe over break it'll heal. So I came back. It was still hurting in January. We went to Palm Springs and it was still hurting. Um, and I, I'm the type of person that I'm like, uh, my, my quad is pulled, but I'm okay. Like I'll be fine, which is my fault. Like, I know that I'm really bad at speaking up (laughs) when I'm hurting. And I think that's something that I learned, like, going on is, like, I really was, I need to speak up when something hurts because at the end of the day, they need, they needed me to play. And if I'm pushing through stuff that I shouldn't be, I'm not going to. So I remember speaking up and being like, I think something's wrong. I, my back hurts. It's been hurting for a while. Um, I think I need an MRI. So I stopped playing, obviously I stopped practicing and then they got an MRI and they're like, yeah, you have a protruding disc. And I'm like, huh, (laughs) what? So I ended up getting an epidural in my back. Hadn't practiced for like a month, I think, um, for that whole time. Literally came back and was cleared to play or practice the the first day of pack conference play. So I came back to play, hadn't practiced against Oregon State that first game. And I'm like, Coach Ford, I don't even care. I'm like, if I strike out three times, who cares? I'm like, I get to play. Because I just like, I haven't practiced like at all. So I remember that first game. I was like, I don't care what happens. Like, I get to play. So I started playing, obviously, like those first couple weekends. And then, of course, Sanford happened. But it's been a long, it was a long year. I don't know why I say it's been like it just happened. That was two years ago. I was like... After that epidural, I was like, you know what? My back feels better. I know it still hurts a tiny bit, but I'm playing. I don't care. Like, so I finished the season, but like to this day, like my back will still hurt sometimes. So, and then my knee, of course, and my knee still doesn't feel normal. It's going to take a long time for it to feel normal. But with everything happening in my life, with coaching and lessons and stuff, I'm happy where I am. And I know my body would probably hate me if I tried playing again which is fine I'm totally fine with that um of course when I was in college I wanted to play pro but I think with how things are going right now I'm I'm happy and I really think it would probably hurt me if I if I continued playing I could still like give lessons and stuff and demonstrate and do stuff like that but I forget sometimes that I can't do things like yesterday at we had a workout and I was in the infield shagging <laughs> And there's a ground ball and I like tried to run for it. And I was like, oh, wow, that did not feel, that felt weird. So I know it'd take a long time for me to get back to like feeling really good. But I would say no. I mean, I'm happy with my life right now. Well, that's good. That's actually the most important thing. But I actually can relate because that's the big reason why I don't play like slow pitch softball or whatever. Because I kind of think that if I went out there, I would just think like, yeah, I can throw the way I did before and then just throw my arm out. Yeah, I did that like a month ago. I was, I I throw all the time, but I haven't gone full speed in a really long time. So we were playing a game with like my younger girls in a lesson 
and we were trying to hit a target. And I was like, you know what? I want to play. So then I joined in and the first one I threw, I was like, oh my gosh. I was like, okay, you know what? I'm done. Go ahead, guys. Because <laughs> I was like, I can't do that anymore. Woo. Life, man. It'll, it'll get you. <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> well, I wanted to wrap up with a fun game called okay. Safer Out. It's low pressure. Basically, I'll ask you, I'll bring up a topic and I'll ask you if it's safe or out. And if you like it or you agree with it, you'll say it's safe. But if you don't, then you'll just call it out. Does that make sense? Yes. So first one, the new out-of-the-box rule for slappers, safe or out? Out. Out. Because I got called out a lot. (laughs) And I look back at film and I'd like barely be out. And I'm like, okay, that's impossible. So definitely out. Mm, okay, because I, I wasn't sure because I know you said you like beating slappers, so I was like, mm, maybe I she'll. Do, but I also feel for them when that happens because True. there are many times when I have a really nice bunt and I get down to first and I turn around and the umpire's like this, and I'm like, what? You're like, come on. Yeah. Yes. So out for sure. <laughs> okay, that's fair. All right, all right. So second one, walking around with a single crutch, like not having two crutches, just having one crutch, safer out. Out. Why not have two? Okay, that's my, I've never understood this. That's why I wanted to ask somebody who has had like a crutch, like where an injury where you needed it. I tried using one just to like get around my apartment and it didn't do anything. Like it's like most awkward, like hobble. So I was like, I used two and it's way easier. I don't know. Maybe if like you have like low sensitivity to like touching the ground, but like even then why not use two? Yeah. Okay. Cause I thought I was crazy. I was like, maybe Taylor's going to like enlighten me on this like one crutch thing. Cause I see people do it all the time and I don't get it. That's like an awkward like walk too. Like it's just way easier to use too. Yeah. I mean, I guess unless your like armpits are sore from it or something, (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Okay. All right. So two outs, two outs already. Last one is wearing a visor at night. Safe or out? Safe. Cause I did it. I always wore a visor and my glasses on my head, even at night. I wore eye black at night. It was like a persona, like our whole, if you wore that, like it wasn't like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she's wearing a visor at night. It was like, that's their look. Like I have a picture I'm looking at right now and it's of me when I, I think it was regionals against New Mexico. Was it regionals? I don't know. When I made that really big play of like getting the last two outs that was at night and I'm wearing a visor, <laughs> eye black and glasses. Hey, I mean, those lights are bright, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, they are, but it's, it's like a look, it's like a, a swag, you know, like a feeling of like looking good. <laughs> oh, for sure. See, and I kind of remembered you being like geared up, like visor, eye black ribbons too, like all of it. So that's why I was curious. My thing like that everyone hated was like, I always wore sleeves no matter how hot it was. Like I had to wear sleeves always so I remember playing Cal and it was like 110 outside and I'm wearing sleeves and everyone's like what are you doing and I'm like I have to wear sleeves like I don't know why was it like a superstitious thing it was like one because if I didn't wear sleeves my skin would get really hot like it would burn two I dove a lot so like I didn't want to get scars all down my arms and three like it was just part of the look (laughs) (laughs) commit to the look. look yes commit to the look (laughs) <laughs> yeah well no that makes sense I actually like right after I was like was it superstitious I was like mm, could it be a tan line situation yeah, for sure because I tan very easily <laughs> especially out here 
the farmer's tan dude I'm okay. that's one thing I don't miss like I stopped getting farmer's tans after coming to college because I was always wearing sleeves yeah yeah I don't know I just had to do it the See, Arizona smart. sun was too powerful oh well that's the truth <laughs> yes all right well I guess two outs and one runner on after all that so one other thing I wanted to ask you is thirst traps on social media, safer out. Well, I'm a victim of this myself, so I'm going to say safe, <laughs> but it should be out. But I don't really consider them thirst traps because I'm proud, you know, body positivity. I'm all for it. I'm not going to call someone posting a thirst trap if it's just them, you know. I don't consider my thirst traps, even though some people probably do, but you know, I think it's okay. <laughs> if you're confident, you're confident. I have to be careful because I have some pretty uh, creepy fellows that follow me along with kids. So I really do have to be careful, but for the most part, I would say safe just because everyone does it and it's, it's all a confidence thing. Well, and like you said, you worked hard oh, yeah. to get your body back to where it is with your injuries and everything else too. Yeah, for a while there, actually, I was really, really sad because my leg, the atrophy was so bad after surgery. Like, I lost any muscle that I had, and I'm already small as it is, so if I don't work out, I lose all muscle, which is everyone dreams of. Everyone's like, oh, I want to lose weight if I don't work out, but it's it sucks. So for me to have surgery and then right away, my whole right leg is, like, gone. It has taken a year and more to even get it, like, half of what it was. So I'm still working on it, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if I'm, if I feel comfortable posting finally about my leg, then so be it. How do you handle creeps? Blocking them or just deleting comments and then blocking them, hiding them from my stories, just blocking. That's probably a good strategy. Cause I know you told me too, you're like, I don't really get it. Like I'm kind of a nerd. Yeah. So obviously social media, people can portray like a different image I guess and so and I don't mean to do that but a lot of times when people meet me they're like oh my god you're such a dork like what and I'm like yeah like what did you think I was going to be just because they see like the way I look or whoever and then they finally like meet me and I'm like such a nerd and like a little weirdo that they're like oh my gosh I did not expect that and I'm like well what did you expect like I don't know sorry (laughs) so yeah well, I know that uh, you had to probably have been a nerd or had to be in you a little bit if you're interested in Stanford, so. Yeah, I mean, I kind of thank God I didn't go because uh, I was, I should have worked harder my freshman year here. So if I'm like struggling here, I'm like, I'm really glad I didn't go to Stanford. But yeah, they are a bunch of nerds. Funny because one time we were warming up for a game when Stanford came my junior year. And as we were changing the locker room, they had BP on the field. So when we came out to put all the stuff away and the equipment, we opened one of the ball bins to like, just make sure that they were filled. And the balls were like assorted perfectly. So that way it looked like a cube. And I was like, this, you gotta be kidding me. Like they're that much of nerds that like they put the balls back, like (laughs) in perfect form so that way like you couldn't move anything like it was so and like we didn't want to mess it up either so like after that happened we're like don't touch it no one touch that bucket no one touch it it was really funny actually 
That is so on brand. It sounds about right. I feel like we used to build stuff. We used to do riddles sometimes, like before <laughs> games during warmups. And later I was like, wow, what? We were really, really yeah, big so nerds. We opened it and we're like, what nerds? Like beat the nerds the whole time. Like we have a whiteboard, of course, as many teams do like in our locker room. And like after that, we just like put like beat hashtag beat the nerds because we saw that. And it was so funny. I mean, that's perfect. That's why we call it Nerd Nation, too, actually. And, like, we, we try to steer into it as much as we can. But we did that whole thing with the whiteboard, too. Like, I remember we used to draw, like, roasted ducks oh, yeah. when we were playing Oregon and stuff. It's so funny. Yeah. Along with uh, that, like, us calling them nerds, as much as we want to, like, be a joke, we're like, you know what? We used to be quiet because we'll probably work for them one day. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. That's why you're supposed to be nice to everybody, they say, just in case. We might uh, work for them one day, so let's be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's too funny. Well, thanks so much, Taylor. Like, this was awesome. Even though we're not both, like, kind of part of the Stanford family, we're still part of the PAC family, so this is really fun for us. And maybe more, maybe actual family, we're not sure, but... We'll find out. I'm going to call my mom. (laughs) And you know what? I forgot to mention this earlier, but my family's done like 23andMe and Ancestry and all that stuff. So maybe we should like schedule oh, a separate should, time. Yes, we should uh, switch those and see if uh, we have any of the similar descent. Yeah, share some documents. But anyways, <laughs> it was it was so great to like catch up with you and like get to know you more like beyond yeah. just our name. Like this was great. I know. It was, it was about time. So that was the rest of my conversation with Taylor. I really, really enjoyed chatting with her. She has such an interesting story with lots of layers to it. And those are my favorite kind of stories. Plus to have crossed paths before and have that extra level of connection as Becerra women, that's obviously special. So while this was part two of our interview, the double play tip of the week is also sort of like a part two. Last week, we talked about your hitting stance specifically your lower body. This week's double play tip is about your swing focused on your lower body. So physically, it's really about efficiency. And I wanna reiterate that your base is the foundation of your swing. And while each individual hitter is different, the basic fundamentals are pretty consistent. So when I talk about starting your swing, this assumes you're ready in your stance that we talked about before. Remember, your feet are a little more than shoulder width apart in an athletic stance. The body is parallel to home plate and your front foot is even and lined up with the back or it at least gets there before contact. You have bent knees with your weight on the inside balls of your feet. So it's all about being balanced. From there, that's where you start the process of your actual swing. And the three big parts, load, stride, and transfer. And this is what we'll dive more into today because you want these movements to be efficient. Wasted movement takes away from your bat speed, your power, and honestly, it just doesn't feel good. And when you're hitting well, it feels smooth. So for the load, you're shifting some of your weight to your back leg. And you stay on the inside part of the balls of your feet when you do this. This is really a general rule for any lateral movement or weight transfer, actually. And as the weight transfers off your front leg, your front heel actually naturally comes off the ground. This is you loading up your power. For the stride, this is with your front foot. The style can vary, but you get to basically the same place in the end. You can take a small step toward the pitcher, or you can just lift your foot straight up off the ground and set it back down. Some people step further or lift higher, depending on what they're comfortable with, but I recommend starting more subtly to get a feel and then going from there. 
Other people like me start with an open stance and simply step toward home plate to line their front foot up with their back foot. Or you can just lift that front heel up without taking the foot off the ground. That can even be enough. But no matter where you start or however you get there, the main thing is that when your front foot is set, your feet should just be even. The weight is still loaded up on that backside. Then there's the transfer. So, so important. And you're shifting your weight from your backside into your front side. When your weight transfers, the front heel actually goes down and the back heel naturally comes up. Again, you're staying on the inside balls of your feet and that enables that effective lateral weight transfer. And this is where the power comes from. The weight transfers forward, the same direction that you're driving the ball. Now I wanna be clear, there's no squashing the bug here. This is a common thing that youth coaches say that basically means you're twisting your back foot into the ground and it implies that your weight kind of stayed back on that back foot and that you didn't transfer it to the front. This is called spinning and it's very counterproductive. Now, it doesn't mean you're totally leaning forward on your front leg either. I mean, when you transfer to your front side, that front leg doesn't bend. It always stays strong and straight so that overall your body is still centered. So the load stride and transfer leads up to the rest of your swing. Once you transfer, your hips and your upper half can start to rotate in sync as you punch your hands to make contact. You're gonna get more leverage, plate coverage, et cetera this way. If you don't transfer, you can easily let your hips fly open too soon and sit and spin on your back leg. And it's totally inefficient and you lose your balance. Now mentally, it's about timing and rhythm. Timing really is the key to hitting, period. You have to have good fast hands, of course, but if you're not on time, you're not set up for success. Now last time we talked about being consistent with your stance. This time we're talking about being consistent with your timing. But what does that mean exactly? All of these movements in your lower body must be timed properly with the pitch. You need to have a rhythm. A lot of mistakes come from being late. So to be on time, you should at least be starting your load when the pitcher starts her motion. Sometimes sooner if her windup is really fast, you have to read that for each pitcher. But by the time she releases the ball, you should already have hit your stride and be moving into your transfer. And you really do get your timing down when you're on deck, or if you're leading off an inning during the pitcher's warm-up. You see her velocity and literally practice your load stride and transfer on each pitch to get a rhythm. Timing is something that you think about, but rhythm really comes when you don't think too much. Load stride transfer should be a smooth movements that flow together. And remember this, hitting is a relaxed skill. You don't wanna be stiff or robotic or tense. It should be more like load and explode. And that's why you'll see some hitters subtly move their hands in their stance when they're getting ready for their swing or even shake their butt a little bit to stay loose. I had a teammate, Maddie Coon, who we called Booty Coon because she did this. But this helps you see the ball better too, which not only helps you hit, but it also helps keep you from chasing pitches too. Maddie actually set a Stanford record for walks because she was on time and able to see the ball all the way in. Now it's a subtle booty shake though. Don't start twerking on us or anything like, please keep it classy, but staying relaxed is how you get in that rhythm. So again, being on time is the key to success. It's much easier to be on time and adjust your hands last minute if needed, than try to make up for your entire lower body being off. So that's the physical and mental side of the lower half of your swing, efficiency, timing, and rhythm. That's the double play tip of the week.
You've been listening to Believe in Softball, available anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, TuneIn, and Believe.com. Subscribe, share the episodes, rate the show. And for those of you on Apple Podcasts, write a review, include a question when you do it, and I'll answer it here on the show. Also hit me up on Twitter at JennaBecerra01 and Instagram at JennaBecerra. Thank you once again for tuning in and catch you soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.